Welcome everybody to Thursday's edition of Leading to Sales. I am Brent Williams and I almost skipped my own introduction of myself. I am your host as I am every show and I am so excited for today's show because our special guest, Max Story, has, he and I have had conversations in the past and we look at leadership from a very similar perspective. We have a lot of the same opinions. And so naturally, I think he's right about it, about anything that we share the same opinion about. <laughs> and you all know, uh, because if you know me, that leadership is a true passion of mine. It is something that I feel that um, we all have an opportunity to develop within ourselves, regardless of what kind of position you hold. And so that's the reason I am so excited to have Mac on, because Mac is the author of not just this book, but many other books, and we'll talk about more of them, but a book called Blue Collar Leadership, Leading from the Front Lines. Um, and we'll talk more about this book, but to give you just a little bit of background on, on Mac, he's had over 11,000 hours leading teams through process improvement, organizational change, cultural transformation as a lean manufacturing consultant. But let me give you a little bit of some highlights from Mac's career, and then we're going to dive in and have Mac on. He has had, he has done, he has trained 20,000 Guatemalan leaders with John Maxwell in 2013. Being the blue collar leadership expert, he spoke at Yale University in 2018, and he is offering leadership development support for places like the Association of for Talent Development, Auburn University, Bayer, Chick-fil-A, Coke Industries, and the U.S. military. So we will be right, right back with Max Story right after this, and I'm excited for you to hear from him. Welcome to the Leading to Sales podcast. Every week, we're bringing you leadership, sales, and marketing strategies to help you move your business forward. Here's our host, internationally known sales and marketing leader, Brett Williams. Hey, Mac, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Brett, man. Thank you for having me on the uh, Leading to Sales podcast. It's, it's a privilege to be here. Hey, it's, it's our privilege to have you here, honestly. It really, really is. Um, so I'm just going to dive right into things because you have such an amazing message that you share so consistently. So I'm just going to, we're going to dive right in. We're going to just give people the most value possible. Um, if you, before we even get started, you all are going to want to make sure you take note of the website address at the bottom of the screen. And for those who are, you are tuning in later on in the, on the, uh, podcast, it is bluecollarleadership.com. Make sure that you take note of that because when you hear some of the nuggets and some of the just pure gold, in my opinion, that Mac's probably going to share, you're going to want to make sure you've got that website handy. Uh, if you're driving, don't stop or don't write it down while you're driving. Just uh, catch it later. I'll put it in the show notes. But Mac, give everybody just really quickly a quick glimpse into your background. I was reading, um, a, I guess, about a week or so ago here in your Blue Collar Leadership book some of your origin story. Um, so if you don't mind, share a little bit about that and share about a little bit about what you do right now. Yeah, I've started out the first 10 years of my career. I started out frontline entry-level manufacturing operator, operating CNC lathes, mills, and drills, and dirty work, hot work, seven days a week, 16 hours a day, a lot of days. And I remember, re remember working, you know, three months, 12 hours a day plus every single day, you know, back in those days. And then I, yeah. then I finally somebody believed in me and uh, actually an engineer who was doing a time study I'd never met, only met him that one night and he just expressed belief in me and kind of motivated, inspired me to start college, even though I told him that I would never do that ever in my life. And I was in, <laughs> but after he left and I thought about it and reflected upon it, that's, 
that's what happened. I started a local community college and then I started moving up and I got into engineering type roles without an engineering degree. And, and I moved into programming CNC lays and mills and drills and cost estimation, engineering and process improvement, lean manufacturing coordinator, manager, quality manager, that, that sort of thing. And then I was reporting directly to a plant manager and helped lead a, our specific plant from minus 3% gross profit margin to plus uh, 35% in just three wow. years as we started wow. our lean journey. And then I started my own lean consulting business. Got I learned a lot during that process and got hungry and uh, went out <laughs> and started doing that. And and after a few years of, of leading other companies through lean transformation as a consultant, I, I figured out a lot. I wanted to really go to the root of what lean is really all about, which is respect for the people. And yes. I think true respect for the people is growing and developing those people to help them have a better life at home and at work. And that's how I ended up in uh, 2012. I resigned or uh, excuse me, I didn't resign. I let all of my uh, lean manufacturing contracts expire and started 100% then on growing and developing my leadership development, personal growth, speaking, training, writing books, all that sort of stuff. That's what led me to be with John in Guatemala in 2013. And, and actually, I didn't by myself develop 20,000 leaders. It was me and, and 150 other people like me who were there with John, supporting John. That was a lot of people. We did we, we covered 20,000 people in just two, two days that week. Wow. We, we was fanned out all over the country. And the whole thing was to help them begin cultural transformation across the entire nation. We got to go to the presidential palace with John and the president. They were up on stage and all of us, 150, were in the in the audience watching them, you know, broadcast on live TV that transformation was coming. Wow. That's so incredible. here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think one of the things that I love so much and, and you mentioned, you know, you've not just written blue collar leadership um, and I've just got a few of your books. I'm actually, I'm going to have to pick all of them up, frankly, as, as much, as much money as already in them. But I mean, you've written books like who's buying you until you sell yourself, you won't sell much, which uh, this is just another one of those read the title and my God in heaven, if you don't buy it, you're crazy. Um, and then, you know, the blue collar leadership Institute and culture, the five components for building high performance teams. Um, and so you have taken your experience from the front lines. And what I love about it is that you really focus in on highlighting the value of people. Um, and you know, John, speaking of John Maxwell in his book of mine, that is hands down the book that I have referenced more times on this show than any other book. He's got a book called everyone communicates few connect. Um, and that's, that'll be the only other book I'll plug on this show. But he says that you cannot add value to people if you don't first value people. And absolutely that's, that is something that I have worked to evolve and change my thinking into. Um, in a massive way. And for me, you know, growing up the way I did, that's a massive transformation for me to think about somebody other than me. But, <laughs> I know all about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I, what I absolutely love about the style of leadership that you have and, and the style of this book specifically, um, is the way that you develop tr or you deliver, not deliver, you deliver truth in a very succinct way but in a way that helps people see and understand and appreciate the value in themselves and the value in others. So what brought you to that point where you really started to open up and see the, the importance of that and why it's such a pivotal part in leadership? 
Yeah, it was 20 years into my career when I was actually introduced to formal, what I call formal professional personal growth leadership development. A, a friend of mine gave me, uh, or he went and took my iPod, downloaded a lot of music and put a uh, bunch of music on it back in 2005. And he put a book on there. He told me I put a business book on there for you. And I said, well, what is it? He said, seven habits of highly effective people. And that, I'd never heard of that or anything. I said, is it any good? He said, I, I don't know. I never read it or listened to it. I said, okay. He said, but my friend's dad said it was really good. So I didn't listen to it for three years till I started my own consulting business, but it resonated with me. I mean, my background, I, I did spend 20 years from 88 to 2008 working for multi-billion dollar global organizations. And as I mentioned a moment ago, from the, from the bottom up to a, a staff management position, reporting to the plant manager and supporting other plant managers in the United States and Mexico. But what, after I discovered all this and when I reflected back, I realized I had worked 20 years in all these big name organizations with lots of dollars. Never, ever had they invested one penny or one minute exposing me to this stuff. I mean, yeah. a frontline quality technician exposed me to it kind of by yeah. accident. <laughs> and when I started reading and learning about it, I mean, it resonated with me. I've been reading it every day since 2008. That's I'm a student. I'll be a student forever of leadership, yes. development, personal growth. But the first thing I did, once I learned about it, the very next Kaizen event, Lean Manufacturing Process Improvement event that I led, uh, started it out and I told the people about what I had discovered. And I said, hey, I, I like for you guys to be guinea pigs and, and, and I just wanna play this one hour audio that you guys, it was not even the whole book, it was like a highlight, right? I didn't know anything about all that though. I said, just let me play it. If you guys want me to turn it off, I'll turn it off. If you like it, we'll keep listening. Y'all don't say anything, so we listened through it and then we got finished. I said, so what do you think? Is this just something I like? Max Story likes? Is, or, am I crazy about it and y'all don't care? Or is this pretty cool? And we had a great discussion. They said, you need to play that for everybody. Yeah. So actually I motivated or influenced the leaders. They bought like that company had 1200 people. They bought 1200 copies of Dr. Covey's book, Seven Habits. They bought videos. They bought all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and, but, but I started realizing as I started, I wasn't really teaching them the content. I was interpreting the content. Like you said, I, I say it simply. Dr. Covey didn't say it so simply. Some of the things he did, but some of it you gotta it makes your head hurt trying to unravel a little bit. So yeah. we would play the audio that they purchased, and then I would say what that meant to me. And as, as I started applying all that stuff, I started getting results. And so I just started telling my stories. This is how I used to be. This is how I am. And that I noticed that was more motivating and inspiring than them hearing Dr. Covey or watching his videos. And and so fast forward four years of me doing that and reading every day and sharing the new stuff I was reading. And then I started hearing people's story of how they had changed because of something I had said or my, my own transformation. So I said, I said, I got to go share this with the world and really specifically the blue collar industries from the CEOs, business owners down to the front line. I, we speak to everybody 2019 before COVID hit, we were in 40 States and I hear so many stories from so many people that, you, they want to give me credit. I tell them, I, I didn't do anything but talk. You did all the work. I get zero credit, just like I want to give Dr. Covey credit. But I'm yeah. sure if he was alive and I could speak to him, he'd say he don't deserve the credit. I did the work. Yeah. But that's just, it's just powerful. These people are so hungry. There's such, so many good people, but so many bad leaders. So I'm, I hit it from both ends. I try to help people have options by growing and developing them. If they got a bad leader, they can go find a better leader, but they yeah. need options. Or 
I try to help the leaders become leaders worth following so that they're, they don't have a lot of turnover and disengagement. I, I try to go from whichever end I'm allowed to go from. That's so powerful. And I think, you know, one of the things that you really highlight on both expressly as well as you weave it in to the book is character. And one of the things that you've actually, you've got a quote here in this book that, that's your quote. Um, and you say you can't climb to the top of the mountain with a base camp character. Um, <laughs> that is going to, that is going on my wall. I haven't figured out how yet, but that's going to be going on my wall. I believe um, it's true. I thank you. Thank you for that, for appreciating it. Yeah. Well, and so when you're going into, you know, these industries and here's the thing that from my perspective that I see in a lot of leadership today um, is that we are very much becoming a profit driven or we were pre pre the pandemic. We were becoming a profit driven society. Um, I think, and I may be wrong on this, you know, the, the jury is proverbially still out, but I think the current situation and the past situation of the past year may have kind of ringed that back and people are starting to really understand the value of their teams and other of their businesses again. But when it comes to leadership, being willing and understanding to the value and making that investment, where do you see the gap is like, because I know I'm sure it's like you're saying rampant in the blue collar industry, but I even see it in a lot of other industries. Yeah. And we speak to white collar industries too. Just, you know, blue collar is, is my lane if I got a preference, but we're yeah. happy to help anyone. But, but yeah, the, it really comes down to values. I mean, we get a lot of people who, who say you need to, they tell me you need to contact my company. I don't call, call anybody. I, I let people call me if they don't, I don't try to talk anybody into it. They, if I got to talk them into it, they don't want me there to begin with. So yeah. I just tell the world who I am. This is one way people like you invite me to, you know, share me with their audience. I share you with my audience, that sort of thing. But, but it's really about values. That's what I'm, you know, the culture book you held up, the blue collar leadership and culture. That is a roadmap and guide for leaders who just hear somebody like me talk. Yes, sir, that book. Yeah. It's like a roadmap. Uh, you know, if people who are familiar with Chick-fil-A, I say, so it's how do you become the Chick-fil-A of your industry? J Jimmy Collins, the former president and COO of Chick-fil-A for 33 years, Truett Cathy's third employee is a personal friend and mentor of mine since 2015. And he said the same thing you did about my stuff. He follows me on LinkedIn and he may see this and I can't believe that that man follows me because the person I used to be, he wouldn't be interested in who I was. He probably would love me as a person, but he wouldn't want to be my friend and mentor. But, <laughs> but anyway, so what I teach leaders in that book is if you want to transform your culture that you got to do two things, you got to transform, uh, excuse me, you, you got to change your values because your values have led the organization to the culture it has today. So if you want to transform the culture, you got to start within. And that's what we taught the people in Guatemala. Yeah. Transformation begins within. And, and so, because as a leader, if you want to literally transform your culture, you've got to be able to motivate and inspire everyone in the organization to change their values. You can't make somebody do it. You can't force somebody to do it. You can, you can force them to comply and pretend they're doing it, but that's not going to get you very good results. And it's also not going to have them help have a better life. So yeah. that's what I always tell when the top leaders call me and say, Hey, I want you to help me transform my culture. I always say, what's that mean to you? Cause I want to hear, what does it mean to them? Hardly ever do they say it means I got to change my values. That so so I make sure that they know that's what it means to me. And if you ain't in alignment with that, I appreciate you calling, but you need to call somebody else because I don't know any other way to, to truly do it. And if you want me on your team, I want to be on your team. I want you to get real results. I ain't I ain't out there trying to make a bunch of money. I'm out there trying to make a bunch of difference. 
You know, and one of the things I want to highlight, because you mentioned this to me, and I, to me it speaks um, to the character that you have, and the, not just the character that you have. That's That may not even be the right term. It, it really speaks to the mission that you're on, is that one of the things that you do, and this is, you know, this is something that I have honestly never seen before. Um, I won't say that nobody ever does it, but you offer a very unique approach for companies to come to you and educate their teams. And I, I, when you mentioned it to me, I had you send me actually a flyer for it. So I want you to talk just a little bit. Um, and this is not just about a sales plug. This is about the true purpose-based mission that you have for your life and for the message that you're reaching out. So talk a little bit about how the leaders who are tuning into this, this broadcast or who are listening to the replay later, that how they can begin to engage you and help and have you help transform their culture in this very unique way. It's pretty cool. When you're talking, I got chills all down my back because what, I got them again. It's crazy. I always tell people, <laughs> I got to tell people when I have them because you can't see them. Right? Yeah, that's but, true. Uh, you know, when we got into the speaking deal, I went and got certified by John Maxwell to teach his stuff. We did stuff with Les Brown. Les Brown invited us to speak actually at one of his events personally in Los Angeles in 2014 and mainly my wife. But then when I showed up, he said, oh, you can speak too. So <laughs> she was very well prepared and I was Max Story showing up with an invitation to speak. But anyway, the whole point was to say that we kind of we didn't know how to do it. How do you go do this? I don't know. We had to figure it out. So we started we noticed the big dogs, they go out and they get paid big speaking fees. So 2016, by 2016, we were, we got paid $20,000 to speak to 80 top leaders. All of them held a PhD from 40 different countries who lead a $3 billion plus organization, you know, white collar type people. So we do yeah. speak to those folks too. So did a workshop with them, got paid 20 grand. And that was the, the most I ever been paid. And it was the last time I've been paid like that because I just, I just decided it, it, coincided with that book, my blue collar leadership leading from the front lines book. I published that in 2016. And when I published that first book, there's five in that series, but that's, yep, that's the first yeah. one. And, and when I just writing it and having it in my hand, I come up with a new idea. I said, I really want to help blue collar folks. That's where I want to go. I want to help the ones that have 20 people and the one that have 20,000 people. Yeah. And how can I do it most effectively? And it's my business. I can do it however I want to do it. And so I said, what I'll do is, any company who who will uh, we basically reduce our speaking fee down to thirty six hundred dollars, which is the exact cost of two hundred books. So it's, you can look at it however you want to. You're getting the books for free, or you're paying us thirty six hundred dollars, and you know whichever way you want to look at it. You get two hours of us on site anywhere in the country, anywhere in the United States, all fifty states. We pay all of our expenses. We'll come to you, or these days we'll do a virtual session. We really like to come to you. Got my COVID vaccine today, getting ready to really come out to folks. <laughs> there you and, go. Uh, but we'll come to you up to two hours. You can pick out whichever 200 books. My wife and I have 31 books to pick from, and you pick out whichever combination. We'll come to you. There's no limit on it. We don't care how many people come. If you can fill up an 80,000 person stadium, we'll come speak to all of them. You get 200 books and 3,600 bucks. And, you know, I had somebody. A lot of times with blue collar folks, leaders, they think the people won't read the books. So sometimes they'll say, well, what if I don't want the books? You know, they want a better deal than that. Even I said uh, a guy from Charlotte, actually named Sam with a con concrete pumping company. He calls me up, says, hey, I want you to come train 20 supervisors. I said, do you know about my special offer? You get you know, two hours on site. We pay all our expenses, 200 books, 3,600 bucks. He said, man, that's a good deal. He said, but what if I don't want the books? 
I said, oh, you in Charlotte? I'm in Atlanta. 20 people. I said, uh, $10,000. And I didn't say nothing. I let him sit there. I just let him hang, hang till he decided to talk. And he finally <laughs> said, let me make sure I got this right. <laughs> if I want the books, I get 200 books and you speak for free, 3,600 bucks. But if I just want you and no books, it's $10,000. I said, yes, sir, Sam, that's half price. I've been paid up $20,000 to speak without any books. You know, I left him hanging again. He said, well, why would I ever do that, Mac? I said, Sam, I hope you wouldn't because my mission is different than your mission. Yeah. You're trying to constrict me down to touching 20 people. I'm trying to get you to help me touch 200 people or get all yeah. of those folks 10 different books and, and let them go learn after I leave, you know, something like that. I said, but if I'm going to have to carry out your mission instead of my mission, it's going to cost you extra because I don't want to do your mission. I want to do my mission. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we're going out to Dallas soon. One of our clients, they, they're getting the 200 book deal and they're going to bring in a lot of their customers and suppliers, general contractors. They're going to pull all these people together. They're going to feed them lunch. They want to tell them what they've been doing with me for the last couple of years and what they were doing even before they met me relative to leadership development. But they want to introduce them to me. And so because they hope they will go do the same thing because if their companies are doing the same thing that the MEP construction companies doing, all the people they work with start growing and developing. Everybody's going to have better people to work with in, in, yes. in each other's company. Yes. It's, it goes back to that rising, a rising tide raises all ships. Um, and I, I think what I love about this is while your book is entitled blue collar leadership in the very beginning of it, or one of your books um, <laughs> is entitled blue collar leadership. In the very beginning of it, you expressly put proverbially to bed the idea that this book is for someone with a title. And you help people begin to understand that really what this blue collar leadership, and this is this is Brett, this is the Brett Brett Williams paraphrase, okay? So this is not a quote from, from Mac's story or anything else. Um, personal revelation chapter one, verse three. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, what what you really highlight here within blue collar leadership that I love, and it's both express and intertwined again throughout the entire message of the book, is that it really starts with leading yourself. Um, and I think I would imagine, and I, and I don't know because I'm not sitting where you're at. I would imagine that much like I was when I first came across the ability to develop myself as both an individual and a leader, this is almost like people providing thirsty people water, Absolutely. Um, especially in the blue collar industry. Cause like you're saying, it's just so many people are not speaking to them. And helping them understand their value intrinsically as people and their value that they can add to their organization as leaders. Yeah, you know, uh, you hear that old saying, you can't you lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But what yeah. you can do, put some salt on his tongue, make him thirsty. He'll <laughs> drink if he's thirsty enough. And yeah. there's another saying, I don't know where it comes from, either one of those, but I quote it, you know, to an unknown source, but basically says you can lead humans to knowledge, but you can't make them think. And, wow. and you need you need stories really to make people think if you just give them, you know, PowerPoint on the wall. A lot of times that's not going to do you very much good. You got to tell stories. And I, when I when I got certified to teach John Maxwell stuff, one of the things that I told my son, he I took him with me and I told him, I said, you know what? My competitive advantage is going to be is the degree that I live what I teach, because this stuff is more caught than taught. But that book, man, that book is written for the frontline entry level blue collar worker. I've had CEOs of 5,000 person companies read that book and call me and tell me how much they got out of it. One of them told me I took it home to my 16 year old daughter, who's probably not going to be a blue collar worker, but I told her, you got to read that book. And then 
he actually bought 600 of the culture book, had me come in after he read the Frontlines book, and they bought a bunch of the Frontlines book as well. And at the time, it was just before COVID hit. He said he was going to buy 5,000 copies of, of that book. But it's full of principles. They apply to everyone. But, but leaders always want their team to take responsibility, to do more, to do sooner than expected, do it better than expected, and yeah. you know, do uh, sooner, better, and more and than expected. And what that book does is helps the individual understand why do I need to do that? Not because my leader wants me to do it. Why do I need to do it? And the reason yeah. is I teach them in there because everybody's providing you with the, with the greatest kind of advertisement there is, word of mouth advertisement. I teach yes. the person in that book to realize they're working for themselves. So how the kind of work I do matters to me and my brand. What's everybody around me saying about me, my peers, my boss, my boss's boss, my boss's peers at his level. Yeah. Cause I want, I want to build my brand. And if, if I don't like you as a boss, I might come in and think I'm going to do a crappy job cause I don't like you. But if I understand I'm building my brand, I'm going to do a good job. No matter who the boss is good boss, bad boss, I'm working for me. What I do matters because people are watching and I teach yeah. them all that, you know, fairly early on. Then I teach them a lot of things and everything's relative to leadership is influence. So I help them buy They'll buy in on their own if they just introduced to the book and anybody who gets those 200 books, I always give them a one hour audio uh, zoom call that I did a training for a client where we had to delay it because of COVID. They said, Hey, can you teach us how to do book studies? Which is some of the, what we learned in Guatemala. It's one reason I write those books with 30 chapters and three pages per chapter. So people can use them for book studies. So I got a one hour training video that they also get access to when they take, get a part of that deal. So we come, we come spray the fire hose at them. You know, they get sprinkled <laughs> with some water and most of it goes right past them. But then if the leaders will actually lead them and facilitate book studies, then they can go slow, which is the process which I call the drip. We provide the fire hose. And then if they do the deal, they get the books and they get the drip. They get yeah. a drip, you know, keep the content dripping on their own. That's when transformation really happens is when teams are growing together. When they're growing together, they actually grow together. Wow. That's what most companies miss. People always ask, what do your best clients do? They do book studies. You know, it's kind of like, I think my wife Rhea shares, she heard this from Simon Sinek. Simon actually called me about that book after I wrote it. He had read it and thought it was pretty cool. But Simon always says, you know, leadership, development, growth, personal growth. It's kind of like going to the dentist. You know, like when we go speak for two hours, that's kind of like when you go to the dentist, you know, twice a year. But the key is if, if you only go to the dentist twice a year and you don't brush and floss daily, your teeth going to fall out of your head. Yeah. <laughs> you got to brush and floss daily. And this that's what the book studies and it doesn't have to be a book study, but it's got to be something for, yeah. for you to transform your culture. You've got to create an environment of growth and development. Having somebody go to a seminar, or bringing somebody like me to speak once or twice a year. What's going to happen is you're going you're gonna to put that plate in front of some hungry people. Then you're going to jerk it away. And if they nope. can't eat it in your company, they're going to go eat in somebody else's company. So if you just kind of snapshotting it, you're going to lose your best people. John Maxwell calls it the law of the lid. Yes. The organization can't grow any higher than the lid on the organization. Yeah. So if you're not really creating a, a high lid where people have room to grow, meaning the leader's also growing, because yes. if the leader doesn't grow, the people going to catch up. They're going to outgrow the leader. Yeah. And so, you know, that's another thing you ask early on. What do the leaders have to do? They got to value personal growth because if they're not learning this stuff, they're going to get left behind in a hurry by anybody who is 
And those people are usually going to exit the company and you don't want to lose those people. Those are the ones who could actually do what you want them to do, but you got to do it with them. God, it's so true. And that's, this is, if anybody's paying attention, this is the reason I told you, you need to take down Mac's website, bluecollarleadership.com. Cause this is what the book is like. It's the whole time. I mean, you're just getting this truth and, and, it, I don't want to glaze over this because you dropped two nuggets that I had to like probably the worst handwriting I've ever written down in my life, but I had to write them down quick. Cause you like your rapid fire hitting me with stuff, but um, transformation happens when teams are growing together. And then here was, here was the, <laughs> I guess I'm going back to my Tennessee heritage here. Here's the humdinger teams that grow together, grow together. And I, I don't care if you get anything else out of this podcast, anything else out of this show, those two pieces, transformation happens when teams are growing together and teams that grow together, grow together. If you take those two things and implement them into your business in, in a specific approach, like Max talking about on a regular basis, while you're growing together, this, you take the lid off, <laughs> just playing more on what you said. It makes me think of what, um, what Zig Ziglar would often say is, you know, people would tell him, well, you know, that I've tried that motivation stuff and it doesn't last. And he would say, well, neither does bathing. That's the reason we recommend you do it daily. You're exactly right. <laughs> That's it. So, people, people overestimate the event and underestimate the process. Most yeah. of them don't even have a process and they focus on the event. They think the event's hard. We got to pay, send people to an event and all that, but that's not the hard part. The hard part is doing book studies and, you know, the, the way that I teach people to do book study, they can, they can do four to 10 people through one chapter of these books and, and, you know, do the whole book, hopefully. But you do a chapter at a time. You can do it once a day, twice a week, five times a week. And it takes anywhere from I did one on stage the other night. We were speaking at a construction company and I wanted to show them how easy it is. I said, start your watch now. We did it with four of us on stage, two of their people and Rhea and I were on stage. We read it. We read the chapter together, take turns reading a paragraph just one to the other. While we're reading, we underline our key points. So after six or seven minutes of reading, we, we basically take one minute or less each person to say, what was my key takeaway? And the most important part was why everybody in the room is waiting to see what they're going to say when they say their key takeaway and the why, because the why is like a little micro story. Yes. So you, you facilitate a little micro teaching and a micro uh, storytelling session. And when I told him to stop, it was nine minutes because when I had talked to him about it, he's like, we don't have an hour, hour and a half, two hours a day to do a book study. I'm like, I'm talking 10 or 15 minutes. Don't make excuses. Find a way to make it happen. Yes. And and they were fired up after that. So hopefully next we go there every month. They do the 200 book deal every month. And, and wow. we'll be going our sixth or seventh time now. And hopefully after that session, they're doing book studies. Sometimes I speak. I spoke to another client virtually, told him about that. I was speaking to him on the uh, the culture book. After one session, that one of the leaders spoke at the end, said, I'm starting book studies with my team next week. Yeah. Yep. He said, I'm starting them next week. And he didn't need months. He needed a couple of hours and realized he wasn't doing what he ought to be doing as a leader. I think so much of it is taking responsibility as a leader of mm. people um, and realizing that that it's it's become a platitude, I think, because it was taught for so long. You know, our people are our biggest asset. Our people are our biggest asset. And and this is something that I've challenged some leaders on in, in some different settings of if your people are your biggest asset, then are they your biggest investment? Um, and, you know, let's look at your balance sheet. Is your biggest investment in the, you know, the backhoes you've got sitting in the back behind the fence or is your biggest investment in growing and developing your people? And it's, 
it's that old saying, and I don't know, I genuinely don't know who it was that said it, but it's, um, I, I can't hear what you're saying because what you're doing is speaking so loudly. Yep. And we see, you know, it's, I think that as leaders, we all have to take responsibility for realizing that our sole responsibility does not lie. This is actually, I've, I've, I've never thought about it like this before. See, Mac, you're having, you're helping me have breakthroughs here. Just That's what we do to each other. That's why, hey, this is what happens at the book studies. Yeah. People talk, they grow together. Go ahead and share it exactly. before you lose but it. But I think our, our soul, our sole responsibility as leaders while we are told by society and often even by our management structure that our sole responsibility is to drive growth in the company, what we often forget is that the only way that that actually happens in a consistent manner is to drive growth with the individuals that are on our teams. Yep. And then we say, focus there, it's a result. Yep. And I would say maybe exchange that word drive to facilitate. Drive, drive is yes. not a good... <laughs> in, in my mind is I don't want to drive anybody. Right. I want to, right. I want to facilitate growth, but I know that's exactly what you meant. Yes. But people listening don't understand that. There's some that's people true. that listen that don't, don't understand because they, they really do want to yes. drive them. I know you didn't mean that. <laughs> yeah, I want to no, tell people why I'm saying this. I have just, you know, I had a pre-call with Brett talking with Brett today. Brett's a real deal. I'm telling you, when you understand this stuff, you know, game knows game, whatever you want to call it <laughs> that people say, but you don't have to, when you got a high degree of understanding, you, you know, if somebody else does really quickly. Yeah. And, you know, I tell leaders, I'm putting a meme out sometime soon. I've, I've got loaded up to come, you know, in my phone. I, I post them live myself whenever I do it. I don't use another software, but, but it, it's got a picture of a guy with a mask on, but you can see the guy with the mask on, but you can't see who he is, but you see him. And, and it's a little quote reminded me of that. I said it the other day, but I, I talk about you. Uh, you can mask character, but you can't hide it. Wow. You can mask it. And that's what a lot of managers of people try to mask it. Yeah. But you can't hide the, 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 the true character of a person, especially a leader, because you see it. Yeah. You know, you're talking about the people, the greatest asset. But it's funny. They show up on the expense side of the, of the uh, accounting spreadsheets. Yes. It's so true. Gosh. And they're so treated true. like an expense. They are, they are. And it's, it's the first place that people look to cut. But I think, you know, I think it's a philosophy difference because if your philosophy has been developed around developing your team and developing yourself and leading, then you, then you have to take, you don't have to, but it, you naturally take that mindset of, well, look at how much I have invested into these people. The, they're the last things I want to let go because they're what's going to move us through the hard times. Yeah, that, there's no way you're going to grow and develop people like I talk about doing it. And then you, when things get tough, you're just going to send those folks out to work for your competitor. That's not going to exactly. happen. That's going to be like the last resort. If if they're just people that, you know, are pushing buttons, if that's the way you feel about them, it's a, you can get rid of those people and get yeah. some more people to push buttons. But the kind of the leaders I'm talking about, they, they the last thing they want to do. And, and they usually don't have to, you know, yeah. manage, managers of people talk about downsizing their way to success. <laughs> but leaders of people, all they have to do is unleash their people's potential. And most of the time, if you really leading a team of people, they can figure out how to make it all happen. If they supporting you and you supporting them, the team comes together. Everybody will say, hey, let's everybody take a pay cut or let's everybody take a week off or two weeks off. And I got plenty of money in the bank, Brett. You don't have any money. I take your week. You keep working. I take two weeks instead of both of us taking a week. Yeah. I, I mean, I, Barry Waymiller with uh, uh, Bob Chapman with Barry Waymiller. That, that's what they did at their company back in 2008. He said that's when he knew 
they had nailed it. I don't know if you've ever read his book, Everybody Matters, but that's that's the best example in the blue collar world that I know of. They're a three billion dollar company, 200 locations, 13,000 people. Chick-fil-A was always really my number one and, and, and they are top of the line. But I think Barry Waymiller has them beat. And the reason I think of it, it because the, the type of industry they're in. But also the reason I think Barry Waymiller really gets number one and Chick-fil-A is like so close to him. You can't help it. <laughs> Truett Cathy kind of Truett Cathy's kind of been like Andy Griffiths his entire life. Truett <laughs> Cathy's been like the man. I mean, he's passed away now, but he was the yeah. man his entire life. Bob Chapman wasn't. He was more like Barney Fife in the beginning, but he grew his way into Andy Griffith. And then he just kept on going and growing. And I mean, they have a, a leadership university. They, they, they train probably their competition comes to them to go through their sessions. People who work in their facilities are the actual instructors. I mean, it's, wow. it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what Bob Chapman has, has done and, and is still doing. I've never met him or been there, but I learned out. I learned about him through Simon's book, uh, "Leaders Eat Last." Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely have to look up that book. Um, so there, there are two, two more areas that I want to make sure that we hit on before we wrap up. Um, the first one is, you know, when you're talking about creating this culture of development, and this is something that I think that a lot of leaders don't think about sometimes is when we really work to create this culture of development and this this culture of growth is really, I guess, what it is. When we, when we lead that culture of growth, what we're positioning ourselves for, and I'm sure this is, this, this is similar in the blue collar industry, is we're positioning our teams to grow with the company. Because I know, you know, in the blue collar industry, things like automation and robotics is something that's always in the back of a lot of people's mind of, can my job be replaced with a robot? But if you develop that culture of growth, then you get rid of that because what you're doing is you're developing a culture where your team can grow with the company into the new frontier for lack of a better time, whatever's next. Um, so is that something that you've seen a lot on, on the tick of the companies that you've worked with that are really actively intentionally developing this culture? Yeah. The ones I work with, I mean, they're pretty much, especially in the blue collar industries, they're some of the best in their industry. That's why they're doing yeah. this to begin with, you know, people who don't value leadership don't want to learn about leadership. So I don't get to talk to those folks, people who already <laughs> know a lot about leadership, want to know more about leadership and they want yes. everybody on their team to know about it. So I'm privileged to work with the folks, you know, who most of the time are really getting it. But, you know, one of my clients, one of my top clients is Kilgore Industries. They're a MEP construction company out of Houston. We started supporting them uh, 2018, done a lot of stuff. That's the folks I was doing the video session with, I've been doing a six week video seminar with those folks, but they're growing. I mean, they're taking over market share. They survived COVID almost like it didn't happen. Maybe they even, wow. you know, kept growing through COVID when some of their competition didn't make it. That's because they were ready. They had a team who values them. Those people value, I think they got a slogan on the wall that says our people make us great. And it, it ain't a joke for them. I mean, it's cool when you go in there. It's They're just, you can't believe you're in a construction company when you go in their headquarters and you meet their folks, but that's what they're doing. You know, I was, when I'm training and developing their leaders, a lot of their project managers was on the session the other day and estimators and those kind of folks. And I'm, I said, you guys are the tip of the spear. I've never done this with any of Kilgore's folks, meaning doing these virtual six week workshops where we meet two hours a week for six weeks. Yeah. And we're actually covering the culture book that you had for the first three weeks and then supervision unleash your team's potential for the second uh, three weeks. But I told him, I said, you guys are the tip of the spear. You guys take over the market 
you guys can take over Texas. If y'all want to keep growing and going, you can take over and become a, a national company. All of you guys could be VPs if you grow the company that big. The company is allowing you, you know, it's up to the CEO. How big do you want to go? But a lot of that is how good is our team? Yeah. A lot of times leaders don't want to grow because they are stressed out and stretched out. But yeah. that culture book is really how to, in, in, a, in a one word sentence, that book is for the top level CEO business owner. And what it is about, what's in it is how do you, get, how do you become the, with a capital the, the sought after employer of choice in your industry. Yeah. Cause a lot of, a lot of people don't even know what that's, that's like, what is it that they talk about in that book? I even share a lot of things we used to hear before the COVID hit and, uh, unemployment was the, the employment rate was so low. We just can't find any good people. And, you know, people who really want to work already have a job. And I say, have you ever hired anybody who had a job? You ever hired anybody? They had to give a two week notice before they come to work at your company. Oh, sure, sure. I said, okay. So let's say unemployment back then, you know, 3%. So, and then they said, we can't ever find any good people out of that 3%. I said, but you told me you've hired people who work, already have a job. They, they said, well, yeah. I said, that's the other 97%. I said, so you got 97% and 3%, which means you got 100% of the people out there to pull from and you can't find any good people. The reason is the good people don't want to work in your organization. Yes. They have options. They have options that other folks don't have. If you want to become an, a, a sought after employer of choice, that means the people in your organization have a strong desire to work in your organization. That means when they're at the football game on Friday night and somebody says, what's it like to work there? They tell them how great it is. They don't tell them how terrible their boss is. Yes. And so, you know, becoming a, an employer of choice is the foundation to becoming a sought after employer of choice, meaning the people outside your organization have a very strong desire to work there. I mean, that's what it's like at Chick-fil-A. They were a client of ours three years when they, when they have a front front registered job, entry level job, and they don't pay really any better than everybody else. They, they had this one store that was our client. They had 250 applications for an entry level job and you can go to other, not to beat up the other fast food places, but we've all been to different ones. We know they're different. Yeah. What's key is they all have the same money. You could get an intersection with, with four corners, put a Chick-fil-A on one and put pick some of the other ones on the other four corners. They all got the same money. They can buy the top property. They can buy the top equipment. They can buy the top ingredients. What you can't buy is character. You got to grow and develop that. That's, that's why everybody else is chasing what Chick-fil-A has. The other companies are great, but they're trying to, what they're trying to do is they're trying to use, they're trying to manage using leadership principles. A lot of people yeah. do that. It's the same way with lean. A lot of traditional companies try to use lean principles, but they remain traditional. They just, you know, they, and they do get better because lean's got some good principles. Leadership has some good principles. Yeah. But unless it's authentic, unless it's truly authentic, you're never going to get those results. And, you know, it's got to be real and it's got to be at the top. And my friend, mentor Jimmy Collins from, you know, former uh, president at Chick-fil-A, he said something the other week that was really powerful why most companies can't do this he called it leadership integrity and what he meant was leaders are moving they're moving too fast you can't build what chick-fil-a has if the, if if truett kathy's moving from company to company to company to company yes, yes. You, he calls it leadership integrity meaning we got to keep our leadership you know you know true was there his whole life obviously jimmy right. collins was there 33 years uh, deanne turner who was vice president of talent she, she just retired recently after 30 something years that's what he's talking about. You, you, you got to have people evaluate. 
Like even yeah. my greatest clients, if the leader moves on, it's all a reset and you're most likely not going to get the same kind of thing. It's got to be the, the leader's got to have character and integrity, but they got to keep the leadership as a whole. They got to maintain their integrity, meaning they got to be the leaders of the same company for a long time so that absolutely they can build it up endlessly and relentlessly continuously. It's so true. It's so true. I'm moving around a lot because you're getting me fired up and my, I know you get me fired up, man. My, my camera's going out of focus here because I'm moving around so much. <laughs> it can't keep up with my movement. It's like, I'm not an action camera here, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> so the last area that I want to cover, because this is to me, this is the bedrock and this is what I want people to live, to leave with. It's the bedrock of everything we've talked about so far. And it's actually one of, if not the last, one of the last chapters in your blue collar leadership book, which I keep referencing. Um, and it's about intentionality. And so the thing with all of this is, is and I, I, I mentioned it, I alluded to it whenever I mentioned the Zig Ziglar quote um, of, you know, motivation doesn't last. That's, what, that's the reason we recommend you do it daily. And when I think about intentionality, what I realize is that it's what, when we come to terms as leaders with the fact that it's not about arriving that it's about developing and being on that path consistently and constantly because we've all got the next level all the time. You close out the book talking about developing yourself intentionally. And like I said, I think it's one of the last chapters. I can't find which, if it's. Yeah, you're talking about betting on yourself. You got to believe, believe in yourself. Yes. And you, oh, yeah, the last chapter is, you know, I believe in you. I'm betting on you. My money's on you. You, you got to bet on yourself. Right. And then you're the chapter right before that is develop yourself intentionally. That was that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, I think that one of the biggest keys is realizing that this doesn't, we hear about cultures that are developing this. We think about the Chick-fil-A culture and I want you to kind of talk just a little bit, you know, briefly here that about the fact that Chick-fil-A's culture didn't happen <laughs> by accident. Um, and that, it was that we do have the option if we don't have that culture now and we're going to, in our organizations to develop that culture. So if you'll speak to that for a minute, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I, my camera can refocus here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, you know, what you see, I always tell people what you see at Chick-fil-A is about today. I mean, it's about 54 years of this. That's what I always tell people. Most of, most of the clients that I meet, sometimes it's owners. We speak to a lot of conferences where there's business owners, top level CEOs, VPs, of different industries. And a lot of times they've never heard anything like I'm talking about, even though they may be very well off and successful, they may be the leader in their industry. So a lot of times what I tell them is what you have to do, if you've never done anything like this, you're already underway. I, I say, imagine, you know, you're an aircraft carrier going to battle. You've left the port, you headed across the ocean, you know, to do battle. And then all of a sudden you have a bright idea as a leader. We got to rebuild this thing while we're underway. We don't get to go to dry dock and rebuild it. We got to yeah. continue the mission and, and rebuild it. And that's what they're fighting. It's, it's tremendously hard when you true it, Kathy, and you start it that way. Yeah. Whatever it is, however hard it is that way, it's like times a million when you've already been in business and established and you've never done it. Because yeah. that's why a lot of times when we go speak for the first time where a leader has heard us, that there's not a lot of energy and excitement. People have a lot of anxiety yeah. and the reason they have anxiety, they're hearing about a whole new way of trying to lead people. 
And it's not the way that they lead people. It's not the way they've been expected to lead people. It's probably not the way that they've been led at the moment. Yeah. And so everybody's like, uh, I don't know. But but really, that culture book is a roadmap for how do you literally do it? I talk about, you know, there's three chapters in a row in there. And I'll say this real quick. Chapter six in that book, you may want to turn to the last page of chapter six if you haven't seen it. So you see what I'm about to describe. But my wife and I come up with this called the, yes, sir, that's it. The transformation equation. Yeah. Across the top, you'll see leadership development plus buy-in plus unifying purpose plus competency plus execution equals transformation. And then you see down below that, like the first wow. line below it, leadership development's missing. When you miss, when there's no leadership development, what does that equal? Frustration because leadership's influence. So the only time you're frustrated as a human being, whether you're a leader or a regular person, is when you don't have influence. So yeah. any frustrated leader out there, the reason you're frustrated is you don't have enough influence. If you had enough influence, you'd be happy. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when buy-in's missing, there's uh, resistance. It's obvious. When unifying yeah. purpose is missing, there's confusion. People don't know. When competency is missing, there's anxiety. When execution is missing, there's stagnation. And most of the companies that I worked in my entire life and many of them I go to today to, you know, to meet, they're at the bottom. They're missing all five of those components. Sometimes. <laughs> and when yeah. you're missing all of them, you got chaos. And people say, well, how can you operate like that? I'm going to tell you the exact reason you can operate like that because all your competitions operating like that. The moment yeah, one cool. of them reads my culture book and starts transitioning, everybody else is going backwards. You may have heard before. I used to hear it. I used to agree with it. Now I know it's 100% not the truth, but you always, you hear this people to say, you always get what you always got. If you, if you do what you always done, you'll always get what you always got. Yeah. I think that's 100% a lie because let's say me and you are in business. We both doing what we always done. We're getting what we always got. And then all of a sudden you discover leadership. Say it's maybe my book, anybody else's book, doesn't matter. You start growing and developing your team. You start developing more influence with your customers, with your suppliers and with people internal. Everybody starts working better together. I know what's going to happen. You're going to get more. Yeah. If you get more, that means I'm getting less. Yep. And that's what happens. But so you don't always, you can't do what you always do and, and get the same. You're going to get less because, that's so true. and that's what I teach people when I'm talking about the culture book. If no one in your industry is doing this, this is a massive competitive advantage yeah. because there's, there's two types of competition. I talk about it in the first chapter of that book. One everybody knows about. I'll always ask, who's your competition? They start rattling off everybody who does what they do or provides right. the same service or product. I say, absolutely. And then I say, what's the second type? of? What's some other type of competition? They don't even know. They never even thought about it. I said, the other type of competition, one's trying to steal your customers. The other one's trying to steal your people. Yes. They may or may not be in your industry. And I'll say, does anybody work here that used to work in a completely different industry? You know, hands will go up. And I say, has, do you know anybody who left here and went to work in a different type of industry? And everybody, you know, raise their hand. They know it. And I say, so there's people trying to steal your people. Yeah. This right here, leadership development, growing and developing your people. That's you. That's how you have the competitive advantage so that people aren't stealing your people. You're attracting yeah. the top talent from all the other folks in your industry when they start to hear about you. It ain't going to happen next week. You got to go do this for, for months on end, probably several years. However, however quick you want to go, it's really up to the top leader. How, yeah. how gung ho are they? And because I, I talk about in there, the 
the foundation of culture is the top lead, leader's values. Yes. And whatever the culture is today is because of the top leader's values. If they're not doing that kind of stuff, they get into it. It's because their values are changing. That's what I told them about the CEO of Kilgore, Jeff Kilgore. We're doing virtual training for all these leaders, project managers, estimators. I said, Jeff's never done that before. Been in business, I think, 20 years. His values are changing. You guys are getting results. And now he values pouring more investment into the people. And I told him, I said, if you love this, and you think some of the other hundreds of people, I think they got like a thousand people. I said, I'm not going to call Jeff and sell him on this stuff. You guys got to sell him. And you don't sell him by saying, hey, that was great. We ought to send everybody through. You got to go get results. You yeah. take what I'm teaching you. You learn to apply it. You get results. And then when everybody notices, you say, hey, we ought to send everybody else through that. And, and they're going to get even results faster because now they're going to have 15 or 20 folks already out leading, leading the way. Yes, that's so true. It's so true. So the book we keep referencing, um, and, and I keep referencing this blue collar leadership book because it is phenomenal. Once um, for the top the, leader, once <laughs> for the bottom. Exactly. Operator. Front and line. So this one right here, the blue collar leadership and culture, the five components for building high performance teams. Make sure that when you, when you go to that blue collar leadership.com that you pick up both of those books as well as in my opinion, after reading reading into to two of the three of the books of his so far that I have, I'm getting ready to start the Who's Buying You one. Um, after reading into those, my suggestion, just go ahead and pick up all of Mac's books. Um, <laughs> and we're actually, I'm going to work with Mac immediately after the show. We're going to get his wife on, even if we've got to do a special edition, because I've read a little bit of her story, and that's she's going to be just as powerful. But she, yeah, go she ahead. is. Can I just say one thing, Brett? You're yeah. talking about the books. You know, I give a lot of a lot of stuff and I ain't going to add you to a mail list. You don't even have to put in your email. A lot of people, when I'm what I'm about to say, people think I ain't doing that. I got to get in an email list, get spammed. <laughs> I don't spam you. I don't want somebody spamming me. I don't spam you. Yep. But basically they go to bluecollarleadership.com, type in forward slash and the word download. They actually can right there on the screen. They can read the first five chapters of all five of my blue collar leadership books and some excerpts from other books. And also there's a link where you can go do the same thing for some of Rhea's books. And okay. if you want to, you can download a PDF right there and, you know, share it with your team. And there'll also, you'll see the outline for the other 25 chapters in my blue collar leadership books with the opening and closing quote for each chapter. So you can kind of get a feel for what the whole book's about, but you don't have to put an email in, just type in that address, and go, go check it out. There you go. He just gave it to you guys. Bluecollarleadership.com slash download. I've got it. Scrolling across the bottom, for those of you who will be tuning That's in it. later the, with the podcast, make sure you get that. It'll be in the show notes. Um, so with that, I mean, you've already given us an enormous amount, but um, very quickly, if you don't mind, just, you know, and say a minute or so, tell us how people, well, the best way for people to reach out to you to have you come in and, and teach them or way, ways other than just your books and that website below that they can interact with you. Yeah, LinkedIn, I put something out every day. I call it the drip. I put out at least one or two things every day. I have the Blue Collar Leadership uh, podcast. I have a lot of series, 30-part series on both of the books uh, you're showing. Episode 65 starts a 30-part series on the, the Front Lines book. I think it's episode uh, 179, I think, starts the uh, culture book. So I've got, got that stuff out there. My wife has a podcast. But if you go to my website, bluecollarleadership.com, look at the top under special offer, and you can learn all about that special offer. My cell phone, this, this one right here, is, the phone number is on top of that website. It's 334-728-4143. Text me, see if I'm available. Call me. I always tell people, if you want to talk about this stuff, 
I'm open 24-7, 365, but that don't mean I'm always available, but I'm always open. <laughs> if I'm available, we can talk. I don't care if it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't care if it's Saturday or Sunday. I don't care what time of day. I, it doesn't matter. This this is all I want to do in my life. That's but I, I do have to sleep sometime. Every now, <laughs> now and then, Rhea and I watch a movie. So I ain't always available, but I'm always open. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Mac. I cannot express to you enough how much I appreciate you coming on. Uh, this has probably been one of our longer shows, and I was expe- I was expecting it to be because I knew that you would deliver an enormous amount of value. So thank you so much for coming on. I can't say thank you enough. It's a privilege, Brett. And what, what you're doing with the uh, Leading to Sales podcast is awesome. I'm telling you, man... I don't really know you personally, but I'm telling you the world, no matter what you're doing, the world needs you to play at the next level. Our world, whatever people see is wrong with our world out the window on the news, all that stuff, the stuff we're talking about now, the stuff I know you value like I do. That's what characters are problem. Character is the root cause of everything that's wrong in our world. It's it's also the root cause of everything that's right in the world. It's so true. That's, that's, That's very true. So uh, if you'll hang out for just a minute, I'll go ahead and close this out for this time. But again, thank you, Mac. Um, And for everybody else who is tuning in right now, again, go to bluecollarleadership.com. You can get all the information, all the information of how to work with Mac and what all amazing information that he is sharing. And then if you go to that slash download, bluecollarleadership.com slash download, then you can get access to the first five chapters of his Blue Collar series. So with that, we will be live again here on Monday. That is already April 5th, 2021, believe it or not. We will be live at 2 p.m. Eastern. We will actually be live with James Rosebush. He's an amazing um, author and communicator. And the reason he is an amazing author and communicator is because he served in President Reagan's administration, um, helping and learning communication from President Reagan. So James Rosebush live Monday at 2 p.m. And before I close out, like I do every time, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And thank you for being willing to invest in this time that we spend together in yourself to move yourself forward and to move, frankly, the entire world forward. But with that, I look forward to talking to you next time. And until then, I'm just here to keep reminding you, either give value or don't even bother.